I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Dominant, the Soonest and Smith years. I'm Martin Ramsey, your host as always. And this week we are here to run the rule over the end and the close of the 1987-88 season. Troubled, turbulent, uh, but no less interesting. And to do that, I'm joined um, as, not as ever, but we do a, a good rotation on this show. Um, and David Edgar is with me this week. How are you doing, David? I'm good, thank you, Mark. Nice to be here. I always enjoy doing this show. And with David is Alan Bradley. How are you doing, Alan? Yep, same here, Martin. Yeah, really good. Looking forward to the show. Always love kind of talking to you guys about Rangers. Again, not my favourite season, but we'll get to it. But as you say, some real interesting stuff to to cover. Yeah, it is interesting, and yeah, it's not it's not going to be full of joy this show I don't think there's much in the, in the way to, to to really celebrate the, the last time that, that, that the three of us were together there were at least three incredible games to, to kind of run the um, run the rule over and, and, and maybe enjoy again we're going to start in Europe because that's that's kind of where we are now and the return of, of European competition um, Graham Souness's first um, assault at the, the, the European Cup as a manager um, a competition of course that he had made so famous as a player, um, and he was doing all right, chaps. We were in the quarterfinals uh, where we play um, Stoya Bucharest again. Rangers being sent behind the Iron Curtain. Um, Stoya had won the, the the European Cup in 1986, um, beating Barcelona in penalties, one of the worst penalty competitions I think in history. Um, and they were what three domestic titles in a row, very strong side. They'd already added like one of the most promising young players in Europe, um, a Mr. Georgie Hadji. Uh, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich were the, the Really, two super clubs left, and they were paired together. Um, Benfica might have been a more daunting prospect than Stoyer, but Anderlecht, Bordeaux, PSV, the others left in the competition. Um, 
we'll get to to the game and all of that. Uh, can you remember the draw? I and mean, it's it's getting so familiar this this trip that far east, David. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the draw again coming in from school to to see it on on Scotland today. This might sound really odd given these days of several dozen by the looks of it, 24 or 7 mm. sports channels. But back then, you know, you really, if, if you were a sport obsessed wee boy like I was, you, you sort of had to make get it where you could get it. And, you know, the, the news reports at night on, on Scottish TV were unmissable for me because you would get, you know, your, your latest Rangers news. Um, Stoya were a team that I remembered from possibly the worst cup final I've ever seen in my life. Um, which is Barcelona versus Stoya in the 1986 uh, European Cup final, which was an awful, you, you'll remember this as well, I'm sure, Alan, an awful two hours of football with no chances whatsoever, followed by a penalty shootout where the Barcelona players still couldn't score. I think Stoya won 2-0, but, you know, after the full 10 penalties. So I, I knew that they, you know, that they were good because... You know, clearly, this is the side that won the European Cup a couple of years before. And Lakatouche was the star name. I think he was the guy that, you know, you'd seen in the Romania side. Romania had played England in the qualifiers and Northern Ireland in the qualifiers for the the, the 86 World Cup, Martin. So mm. we'd seen a little bit of them. I mean, by seeing all of them amounted to highlights on midweek sports special. But, uh, you know, you had seen them and they were highly rated, uh, obviously. Um, they had had you coming through. But the, a lot of the Stoyer players made up the the majority of that side. It, it, it wasn't glamorous. I don't think you could say that it was a tie that, that you thought... There are certain teams in Europe, I would, I would liken it in the modern day to maybe drawing Sevilla in the Europa League, that it's not glamorous enough to make up for how good they are. Mm. It's one of these ties that it's difficult to get that excited about because for whatever reason, they're not a huge name or you can get a tie where the travel's bad, but you know the side is really, really good. And that's kind of what we we felt with this. You know, again, the travel's going to be a pain in the neck. The time of the kickoff is going to be a pain in the neck. It's going to happen through the day. The, the, the leg in Romania was going to be... It was live on STV, but it was during the day um, and again I had to rely on the kindliness of my headmaster at school to let us watch it uh, my headmaster at primary school was a genius a, a man I've spoken about on other shows called Mr Campbell who I love very much but he he used it as a behavioural thing that you know only only kids that had behaved particularly well in the week I've never been nicer <laughs> than the run up to this yeah um, and they run up to the to, to be able to watch the game, but yeah, look, it it it, it was a draw. You, you pull at some teams and it gets the the juices flowing, and you pull at other teams and you go, oh, that's a tough one. And I think Stoya were category two there. Hmm. Alan, any thoughts on on the draw? When it was, I mean, this is before Christmas, of course. The the the, the draw for the, the quarterfinals was a long oh, wait yeah. until the the games actually takes takes place. Yeah, I, I mean, the same. I mean, you knew, obviously, because of what they'd done previously, you knew they were going to be really efficient as well. And again, it was that old 
going behind the, you know, the kind of iron curtain was the worry. I think because of what we had done in the previous round, obviously going through, it did still give us that wee bit of confidence, you know. And as David said, they didn't really have that same kind of history, you know, as, as some of the other clubs. So it, it was a wee bit of a going to be difficult over there. They're going to be really organised. And again, we knew about some of these cracking players, but it's going to be away from home first again. Let's see what we can do over there, try and keep things tight. And then we've got the chance at Ibrox. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really, that was about all. Like, David just picked up the draw, you know, kind of later on. And fortunately, I think it was my post office counters days, we used to get, like, a kind of half day. Mine's happily uh, happened to be in the Wednesday. It wasn't a case of sucking in the teacher, but I think the branch manager, Davey, kind of, you know, was doing the staffing the week before. So I managed to get that one, yeah. Alan, that day when the post office closed early was referred to as half shut day. Um, and yeah. on a day where it was a bank holiday, just in wonderful co-winning logic, it was referred to as a half shut day or day. Oh, day, uh, Obviously, counter, we were, we were still kind of opening the weddings, but as I say, I'd managed to kind of manoeuvre things, you know. And, <laughs> and for, fortunately, at that time as well, I think the majority of staff at counters, you probably maybe 12 or 14, like two guys and the rest, you know, the Salasis, quite frankly... You know, they weren't really going to watch the Rangers game anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the Rangers team that had beaten Dynamo Kiev, they'd sailed past Gornick, I, I think might have fancied Stoyer, uh, as, as tough as, as that was for the reasons you mentioned. But as mm-hmm. we know, this was, wasn't the same Rangers side at all. We're in a different proposition by the time March 1988 um, arrived. Ray Wilkins had been signed in time and Richard Goff would make it, but the this batch of new recruits, Walters, Brown, Bartram, Ian Ferguson, uh, they'd have to wait to a possible um, semi-final, and Butcher was obviously missing. Uh, he would watch the Ibrooks game in a Pebble Mill TV studio, because he was doing a little show doing his, his recovery. Um, and then three weeks before uh, the first leg in Romania, on March the 3rd, uh, the major worry about Sunis's winter market trading was, was, was kind of realised. After 40 goals and 128 consecutive appearances, um, the Rangers' reliance on Ali McCoyce took its toll. He suffered a knee injury, ruled him out of a 4-0 home win over St Myrne, and then that cup exit in the Scottish Cup um, at East End Park to Dunfermline that we we, we discussed last week. When that recovery didn't happen as hoped, uh, McCoyce was put under the knife. This was on Tuesday 23rd of February, just over a week before the first leg, and then off to Lillishaw where every Rangers player seemed to go for the best rehabilitation possible. It was microscopic keyhole surgery, revolutionary in 1988. And instead of just removing the cartilage from the, the knee, they simply trimmed off the parts that were causing problem. Um, so there was a faint hope that McCoyce might be able to make that, that, that comeback um, on the second leg, which would be 16th of March. But he'd travel to remain it anyway, purely for morale. Um, well... Not as it turned out. Even as the team sheets were, were shared before the game, the, the, the Stoya manager, um, Angel Iordanescu, he thought there'd been a mistake. They, like everyone else, kind of assumed that McCoy had as much chance of playing as those who were um, not registered in time. But there he was, the irrepressible talisman taking his place as the lone striker, which is a job that you know requires a lot of physical effort, more than a little bit of bravery, given the kind of close attention of Romanian defenders. Eight days after going uh, under the knife, um, Ali's performance in Bucharest was a valiant one. He took his knocks. He would work hard to press the Romanians back, but there was a kind of understandable sharpness missing, especially with the one decent chance that was passed up 
halfway through the first half. Brilliant work by Cooper Wilkins and Sunis sent him into space, but um, he, he just lacked again that, that bit of sharpness. Some of the damage, of course, by that time had been done. Um, okay, before we get into the, 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 the nuts and bolts of this game, um, this was played in the afternoon, midweek. Um, in the Christmas of 1987, I had um, I'd got a transistor radio, um, battery powered, and uh, it was quite small. And I thought, like some kind of super spy, uh, I would be able to take this in to to, to class and somehow, with a two o'clock kickoff, <laughs> get away with it. It was confiscated before lunchtime, I think. Um, the, the teachers were <laughs> well aware of um, what, what I had in mind. There was no uh, Mr. Campbell rolling out the, the TV on the, 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 the wee um, tray. Oh, yes, it was. The, the, the TV on the thing. On the casters. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, with the, yeah. Right. So I, I missed the I missed the damage. Um, so you saw it then, David? Yes, I did. Um, the flash. Uh, this season, do you ever have one of those weeks where you it just seems to go on forever, and then you you look at your at your phone and it's Wednesday. <laughs> this was a season, and yeah. this was another example of it. The, you know, Ali getting injured then, and immediately that was what the talk was, was he's going to miss this game, this huge game. And he, the, because of the way Romania was back in Martin, they actually did have spies, <laughs> in inverted commas, um, at the airport, and he was limping, you know, and he was, yeah, the rest of them were, dressed one way, he was dressed another. Uh, there was a bit of kidology went on there. And of course, it, it leads to the, the argument between Sunis and McNee on the plane, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure you're going to come to uh, when, when Sunis threatened to, to punch him. And as I've said mm-hmm. before, you should never threaten <laughs> to punch Gary McNee. Um, that's one I'll get away with if it, it looks all right in a transcript. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, he wasn't fat. You couldn't be fat. It's just not possible. And uh, he, he was valiant's a great word for it. Valiant is a great word. He gave us what he had. It's just what he had wasn't an awful lot. Um, it was a bit of bizarre decision to sell basically all the strikers, rely on one for a team that played with two anyway. Um, that was a strange thing. But we didn't have anything at all that was allowed to come in. And you mentioned those names. These are really good players, you know, Cooper, Walters, etc. But mm-hmm. there was a raggedness to Rangers in the second half of the season um, quite often. There was a raggedness to our transfer dealings. There was a raggedness to Sunis, um, where we just seemed to be, you know, going game to game, month to month, really. Um, now, we know that Sunis was actually putting in building blocks. But at the time, it didn't feel that way. The Romanians were incredibly well well organised. You mentioned there Jordanescu, who's a, a legend of uh, you know that 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 region really, um, and understandably so for what his achievements were. They all knew their job. They all knew what they were doing. And you know, story where the the team formed out of the army, and you can yeah. tell yep. because. Uh, they had a rigid tactical shape. And again, something that I think, and this is the whole of British football, and I include England in this, that the, the European sides were much better at. A, a team from Romania, incidentally, to, to win the European Cup has got to be dogged. They, they understood things like shape and space 
better than we did. They they were much better at playing percentages than, than we were. And Rangers found it really difficult to break down this very disciplined mm-hmm. side that, you know, were, were, were very tight, very compact. Um, you know, you, you, um, you could actually probably mark out on a on a map afterwards, Martin, where all the players played because they all had their area that they occupied and they stuck to them. And what they did was they they did have some some real explosive talent up front. They did. And they knew that they would create something and and they did. Um, And again, without the away goal, I kind of feared the worst. Um, Even as a wee boy, I sort of felt we'd done really well against Kiev of course but but it was 1-0 um, I mm-hmm. think when it was to 2 <sighs> again all you know, I remember my dad saying Aye, but if they score 1 we need 4 yeah. well this is a th- I, yeah. I, I defy yeah. anybody in Europe at that, honestly anybody in Europe at that time to get 4 against this Stoya side well this was the thing the, it was a sunny day if you remember in, in, in Bucharest but the night before the weather had been utterly horrendous and the pitch was in a bit of doubt. Uh, there were two army helicopters hovering over the pitch to dry it out. That's the the standard of um, technology we're, we're talking about here. So, uh, so it's helicopter, helicopter Wednesday? Helicopter Wednesday, hi. Um, but what it did was create a mud bath, uh, yeah. especially yeah. in the penalty box. And that's really where the first goal come from Stoya had press Rangers in from the kickoff and they had a few opportunities Rangers just couldn't clear the lines and the last attempt by Goff kind of weakly held up on that that muddy floor before being absolutely rattled home by Victor Petruca two minutes two minutes in mm-hmm. but Rangers rode it out quite well Woods was superb yeah. um, Rangers shape again the 4-5-1 thing that had worked in Kiev to, to a degree and, and Poland was was doing a similar kind of job here. Um, and as you mentioned, David, 1-0's fine. Because like Kiev, Stoyer's away record's terrible. So 1-0's not bad. Um, and 66 minute, uh, a deflected free kick. Wicked deflection off David Cooper past Woods. Um, after Goff was kind of thrown to the ground from the Rangers' wall. I mean, absolutely ridiculous sure. scenes um, going on there. Um, and it was... <laughs> For all the planning and that there are, we'll get into the kind of wider um, moments that maybe have been missed here. But it was desperately bad luck when, when Rangers looked like they were doing the kind of containing job that they, they'd done before, Alan. Um, you take that, that time off to, to, to watch or you sky somehow to watch it. Uh, uh-huh. Can you remember that second goal and the difference that that makes from 1-0 because we'd been there with Kiev to 2-0 and we don't look like scoring a, a, yeah, a consolation? I, I, I could. I, I could, a couple of things just to say first. Uh, when Ali McCoy went under the knife in the hospital, uh, Tuesday 23rd of February, I was in hospital, my daughter was born, so I sort, yeah. of, re- I sort of remember. So it was a magical day for both. Mm. Uh, but uh, what you were saying as well with the keyhole surgery, I hadn't heard that because normally you were thinking months, you know, with that injury. Aye. So that seemed to be the big thing. But you're right at the game. And uh, stupidly as well, Martin, I, I still remember thinking soon as the Liverpool, how Liverpool used to go away, just shut up shop and, you know, either win 1-0 or get close. And I do remember, I remember foolishly getting into that second half and thinking, we're, we're going to do okay here, we're going to go back with one. And as you say, when that second one went in, uh, it was just horrendous. 
you know, we had done, especially from two minutes out, you know, we had done so well, you know, up to that stage. So it, it was a real, a real blow, you know, in that one. Again, I still had, I don't know, I think my heart had a let's go back to Ibrox under the floodlights, do what we can do. But I think, as David said as well, 2-0, do you know what I mean? I don't think many teams can attend to overturn a, you know, a 2-0 deficit. No. Second leg, yeah. certainly not against the team, as you say. European who, Cup winners. We talk, two not, European the, Cup winners. The, exactly, the experience. And as David said as well, the way they were so organised, you talk about the army, and as you say, everyone seemed to know their place and so on. So it was going to be a hang of a challenge, you know, coming back over to Ibrox. So. I think that it's it, this is something that I think is coming through in this show, and I, I'm delighted to it because it, it, it's sparked me thinking as well, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners about our approach to European football mm-hmm. in this period. Not merely the performances and sometimes lack of, but the way that we went about it. And and it's pretty clear to me that we were... This is a 1970s approach. It's the, it's, it's the Willie Waddle. It's the big yeah, uh, Willie Johnson up front and everyone else. You're right, David. Yeah, yeah. And also even the soonest thing is what he knew at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure by this stage that it was particularly applicable because these sides were being coached in a different way. Um, And these sides were being coached by guys who were innovators and would go to, you know, countries that were less frightened of, you know, players from out with their their nation. I'm thinking about Italy in particular, Martin, you'll recall. You know, they would hire coaches Mm -hmm. from Eastern Europe. They would hire coaches from Portugal. Mm -hmm. And then Sweden, you know, Ericsson, of course, has, has come through at this point uh, at Gothenburg, Svenjord and Ericsson. And I think that we were clinging to things that had worked. And as, as Alan said, we believed they did And at 1-0. But even at 1-0, uh, yeah, we got away with it against Kiev. And we did. Fantastic performance. But things had moved on, hadn't things they? Things had moved yeah. on. We didn't realise that these teams all thought 1-0 was brilliant yeah. because they were like, right, we'll, we'll score one over there and then we'll, we'll sit mm-hmm. in and we'll defend for our lives. And that was that was the difference. And again, they, they were much better organised than, than most Scottish sides that we'd come up against. Well, there was, I mean, how many of these games do you remember, especially when we go back and watch them? There's a harem scarem element to them, mm. you know? Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a, a kind of... Who, you know, who can win the fight to take possession of the ball? Uh, element to it, and and we were playing, I think, a different. And then when we went into to Europe in the nineties, again, you know, playing the three at the back that the Italians had had given up, you know, six seven years before. I just feel we were always that little bit behind what. The rest of Europe was yeah. was doing. Yeah, it's, yeah David, it's, it's as if we were getting movies from people that four years ago were probably <laughs> top of the charts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A couple yeah, of it's, yeah. It's talk, yeah, yeah, it's talking points of of shows that were worldly five years ago. I just tend, to, yeah, and I hadn't realised this month until I started doing and listening to this show that I just feel that our our ideas because we have players, you know, I don't believe the quality gap is anywhere near, but I, I look at, at us and I, I, I kind of think... Now, the, the counter-argument to that is, well, did the United reach the European final in, a, um, uh, in Aberdeen? Of course, won mm. a European trophy. And those, those are legit, you know. But again, I think 
the way that we approached it. Uh, and Celtic were, were murder for this, of just going all guns blazing at home, losing away goals and, you know, really... Aye, you know, aye. It, it, it's just a mentality thing, and I just think that Scottish football as a whole... British football, to be honest, because it took the English to your people. Well, this is this difference. is the thing. Yeah, I mean, John had made what a point. Yeah, John had made a point a few weeks ago that, that where we are now, this 1987-88, um, there's this kind of three-season interregnum uh, between the English way, which had, as we know, dominated, especially the European Cup, um, some of the other competitions as well for so long. High Soul puts an end to that. We're not quite at the Serie A domination yet. That's going to come 88-89 with, with Milan's first. So you have these few years where you get Stoya won in European Cup, then Porto um, and PSV, uh, as it would turn out this yeah. season. Where things mm-hmm. are things are up in the they're up in the air, but they're they're changing. We'll talk a lot as the, the, the show goes on and the weeks go on about about Sunis in Europe because in a couple of seasons I wanted to I want to really focus on this because he says a few things that tell me that he gets it. He understands what's changing, but I'm not sure he's able to follow through on what he he sees. Um, and the the Liverpool thing understandably dominates his thoughts. How successful has he been with this this team and this ethos? And a very much a well, we don't really we don't really bother about the the opposition. Um, and that's fine at Liverpool because the opposition are scared of Liverpool, or were scared of Liverpool. They weren't scared of Rangers. And yeah. you had to bother about the opposition. And there's... I don't think away from home is incredibly naive. I know what you mean, David, the, the, the lack of this away goal so often. Um, in Mönchengladbach, Kiev didn't matter. But 1-0's all right. Um, here would be a problem. It's a 4-5-1, it's smother it, and, and just kind of, you know, get out of dodge. Uh so it's not completely naive, but it's probably missing that there's, there's there's been a change. How we get to that change is going to be the the, the crux of the, the Rangers story in Europe throughout this this era. Um, fair to say the playing home was was tense, David. You you, you referenced that before. Um, the Scottish media had been completely unaware that McCoy had actually passed the fitness test, um, and there was an English journalist who just turned up. Um, just one of these things, coincidence, um, happenstance, um, serendipity, we'll call it what you like, but he had seen McCoy pass his fitness test and he'd got the exclusive. Um, and McNee on the, Jeremy McNee of the Daily Express at the time complaining vehemently in the plane home. That's when the Rangers team shared the plane with the press pack, of course. Um, and soon as, I call Ian Durant, eyes bulging, um, shouting, don't you ever fucking speak to me like that again. Um, and was, was very close to... to um, a physical encounter uh, on on that flight home from Romania. Again, another example of just how chaotic this this season was. Despite that, Sunis and Roberts and McCoy provided that kind of usual frontier gibberish in the press um, about the second leg. And in doing so, I speak to my dad at the time and 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 for the last you know thirty odd years about this uh, pre match. He says Ibrox was was incredible that night yep. because it had to yep. be because it had to be um, a wee bit we, we we record this not long after the Dortmund game which we all expected was going to be an incredible night it, it, it turned out that way but we get into that game with a lead not really sure how we're supposed to play what's supposed to happen here sometimes the best European 
nights like Kiev um, that, that followed through the whole game, the, the Stoya game and, and AK Athens, another one, where you know you need to be massive right from the off and it's 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 kind of spine tingling. But the energy levels were unplugged by yet another sting um, from just a more experienced Canier side. Um, Stoika was involved, but the finish by uh, Marius Lakatouche was sublime. But that Rangers defence, that Rangers central defensive partnership, again, of Goff and Roberts and utter shambles. Mm-hmm. They would be complaining um, to each other. I think there was a fight at half time about who whose man it was. Again, communication um, just appalling. Uh, and that's that's fatal. You know, three now. Rangers do respond. Um, you know, uh, Goff scores ironically from a, a Roberts flick and 16 minutes. McCoy uh, buries a penalty. Um, and yeah, I mean, two one. Uh, theoretically, it's on. But you know, you've said David four one is, is is going to be pretty unlikely. Um, the Graham Sunnis uh, controlling the ball, not in question. He directed a lot of this counter pressure, but his control or lack of control of it um, was again in question. This time, the, the, the tackle, a scandalous assault on uh, Rotario. Um, probably the best remembered incident from the whole match now. Um, Sunnis is lucky to escape with a booking um, and that incredible gesture of innocence when he, he points to his ruffled sock, um, perhaps yeah. making all the, the, the difference. Uh, I, I had seen that before, Martin. Yeah, well, against Stoyer. Yeah, oh no, but even before with Sunnis, before he came to Rangers. Yeah, it was for, for Liverpool uh, against Stoyer, sure. Uh, oh, no, sorry, when he went over to Sampdoria. Oh, right. Uh, I, and he went to some. Uh, well, sorry, this, this game very quickly, crowd, like your dad had said, was just like Kiev to start with. It then became a bit like Leeds, as you say, with that ridiculous goal early on. But we did rally. And during that first half, obviously we scored a couple of goals, but we, we battered them. But the soonest one, I remember he went, uh, he just moved and it was Saints and Greavesy, I think, David, you'll remember in the Saturday afternoon. Yep. And what they'd done is they said, yeah, Graham Soonest is going over there to Sampdoria now. Let's have a wee look at this clip. And it was one of the Italian, you know, the opposition. And the guys had done Soonest and it was maybe 13 minutes or whatever it would be. And they were laughing and they said, yeah, no, let's have a wee look at it now in 20 whatever minutes. And soonest basically just went in like that, Martin. And the very same thing as well. Give it the old pointing to his sock and that's because, you know, to the referee. And again, he, he managed to go off. But it was very similar to the one against Wales and the one later on against Iceland. Yeah. I, I mean, automatically she just have been off the park. Yeah? We are hypocrites as football fans. Um, because we lionise when one of our players does this, particularly if it's against somebody we don't like. Mm, yeah. Um, and we are understandably appalled when someone does it, uh, you know, <laughs> to one of our players. Uh, and it's it's a fair it was, oof, a- yeah. accusation of, of hypocrisy. It's a horrible tackle. I mean, it's not a tackle. Let's be honest. It's, it's, a, not, it's, it's a stamp. He, it's he an assault. Stamp. Yeah, he's trying to hurt the guy and he succeeds in doing so and and you're right there, I mean, you mentioned there Siggy Jonsson was the the Iceland player and and his career was never the same afterwards he was, you know, one of the brightest prospects in Europe Um, I don't think you can make a case for Sunus on this one, I really Mm. don't it was frustration, it was Uh just sheer frustration and I think that you know, as, as I say, I've I've like everybody else, I hold my hands up to being a hypocrite, folks, because I've joked about this p- 
particular yeah, tackle. Yeah. And maybe because it does seem, you know, in the far flung days that it's easier to do that. And you see, well, football was different then. And it clearly was because no. these days, Jesus, not only would you be sent no. off, you'd be looking at a um, heavy duty man. I mean, but, uh, uh, David Martin mentioned this, obviously the Sterling with Liverpool, and I've seen that on YouTube, and it's an off the ball, and I think he broke the boy's jaw or something. And when he was getting on off the plane to go to the return leg, all of the police over there were all pointing at Sunnis and so and so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, you know, he, he, he could lose his head um, uh-huh. in these matches. And and again, I, I, look, I'm going to offer a bit of a defence here for, for example, the Italian one that you mentioned, because that was really had, a part of the game. Somebody he had, had to, that's right, yeah. yeah. Op- he, every team had a hard man. The opposition hard man does him, and he does the opposition hard man in return. That was football back then for good or for bad. Now, clearly it was for bad, and that's why it's been eliminated from, from the sport as much as possible, because you don't want guys hurting mm-hmm. each other. Um, but that one was just because we were losing, um, and it's a horrible tackle, and he, he points at his sock, as you say, and, and, and says, here you go. And, and as for you know the atmosphere that night, it was tremendous, because I think there was a sense of, right, we know what we need to do, we've done this. David, at 2-1, I remember we were up in that govern rear, you know, anyway, and at 2-1, it was bouncing, and then even get into the second half, and you're thinking to yourself, and we had about four or five decent chances, you know, yeah. I think that, again, you know, the fans could not be faulted for the part that they'd that, that they played. We'd just given ourselves far, far too much Aye, to yeah, at yeah. that point against a side who were confident in their ability to defend, who'd turned up in a championship. Uh, Sorry, a European Cup final to defend for two hours yeah. against. <laughs> and they were dangerous on the break. Yeah. They, they, they were dangerous on the break to get a second. Yeah. but Lakitic yeah. was a player. Um, but, but the goal itself, you mentioned there. I, I wanted to, to, to kind of bring that up uh, and focus in on it for a bit. For whatever reason, there are things that you just do not put together, know. right? There are things that, that work really well. Fish and chips are great. Fish and pancakes, not so much. And that's that's Robertson golf. Individually, just, two good things, but they just could not play together at centre back. Absolutely incredible. No. Uh, Rangers did have chances. Durant had a couple, and there was a glorious chance for McCoy's. Eighteen minutes to go. A beautiful back heel by Ray Wilkins. That, that, that Wilkins, set him up. yeah. Um, and he, he blazed over. Now, three-one with eighteen minutes to go with with the crowd the way it was. Um, all of a sudden, that ridiculous, far-fetched, fanciful fourth. I don't think mm-hmm. is as such that there was a chance, but it wasn't to be. It could and it ugly should have been. Um, the sale of Fleck and Falco, which Andy and John and I discussed last week, I don't think is relevant in the first tie because Rangers are always going to go four five one. Neither of them were 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 going to hold the ball up um, particularly well. Certainly not Fleck. Um, so uh, you know that that lone striker Rangers probably didn't actually have someone all that suited to it to be honest but supporting McCoy for a better recovery period and you know backfiring for the for the second leg might have been significant yeah. um especially yep. if you could put Durant um closer to him uh but ultimately both games were undone by those defensive issues that we mentioned and a bit of bad luck with that that second goal um PSV were going to win the European Cup that season guys Nine matches they played in order to win it. They won three of them. None of those. They didn't win a match from the quarterfinals on. 
quarterfinals and semi-finals, they won in away goals. In the finals, we talked about, they, they won in penalties. Um, I think this, maybe even more than that famous 92-93, which we'll come to, was arguably the best opportunity Rangers had of success in the big one. Given who would come in, especially Walters, in that semi-final. These were not good teams, um, or huge teams, not in the Marseille-Milan potential of 92-93. Um, and it, it was just a... It was yeah. a, another weird thing, and, and I'm conscious of when, when we're recording this, but Rangers played most of their best football of the season in Europe. On a stage that seemed to suit them, maybe providing a welcome and exciting break from domestic drudgery by that point, which, which you just, we just never got to grips with it that season. Um, but it's just those defensive errors, bad luck with injuries, maybe more than the, the, the sale of Fleck and Falco cost. And again, I have to go back to the failure to land Mark Hately that summer. Um, what a difference that could have possibly made uh, made to, to this particular European campaign. I think it's an, an underrated missed opportunity, David. Oh, I definitely do. I really, in fact, when I look back in the soonest time, this is the one because we weren't always fortunate with draws and we'll come to it in a couple of years, but we weren't getting past Red Star Belgrade, right? Because they were shit hot and that can happen. Bayern Munich, bastard of a draw. We weren't lucky with draws at all. However, this year we weren't, you know, lucky either because we get Kiev. But once you get through it, um, if you want to win a European Cup, you've got to be capable of beating the sides like mm-hmm. Slavia Bucharest. I just feel that this season is a series, Martin, of of kind of wrong moves at every stage, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of wrong decisions. And it's almost totemic of the, the, the goal that we concede in this uh, second leg, that it's just people not quite on each other's wavelength. There was a... A kind of fractured feel about what we did, and the team at times looked full of good players, but no real cohesion to it. There were injuries, there were guys in and out of the side, there were guys in and out of the club. You know, Falco's a, a good example of it, um, and and the whole thing kind of just felt all the time like we were trying to get the the car and it wouldn't kick out a second gear. Um, I agree with you in terms of missed opportunities. As I say, when I look back on that period, I don't have any, you know, real regrets about Bayern Munich or about Red Star Belgrade because cards on the table, they were better than us, and that can happen in the case of Red Star by a distance. This one, I felt that, and I look round at the teams that remain in it, and even now, I think, as you say, the Kiev lineup. And a full head of steam. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, without, story, without, I doubt, without doubt. I, I, I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, Walter Smith mentioned it on this year, and basically he said that uh, we should have improved the quality in terms of the first team in the squad, in but the we summer. should have done that immediately in the yeah, summer. Yeah. And he says, and we we recognise that. And then through the season, we went right. We need to do yeah. this. We need to do that. And I think had we have taken that step of what is it fixing the roof when the sun was shining at mm-hmm. that summer, and had some of these players and. Definitely, Davey, I think we were definitely going to go further, you know. A perennial, perennial problem at Rangers, it would seem, but uh, <laughs> as we record. Yeah. But I, I think that for me, that is exactly it, Alan, what you said there of 
It's recognising problems, which are great, but too late. Then it's trying to fix them at an inopportune moment. And instead of just fixing the first leak, what we've done is we're trying to pin... There's buckets everywhere, isn't there? Aye, and that's what it felt like. It it felt like a season you were firefighting. The season before, Martin, I felt that Rangers, and, and the season that follows it, I think Rangers, I felt that we were leading. You know, I felt mm-hmm. like we were, uh, we knew who we were, we knew what we were doing, and we, we knew what we were doing. We had a strategy and a kind do. of vision, and we were absolutely on the yeah. park, off the park, uh, and and you got the impression that we were going. And you know, we might not get there, of course, but but we know what we're doing. We know what we're trying to do. This season, confusion reigns. Yeah, There's confusion does. everywhere, and that that that's my 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 huge memory of this season. And it just it felt like that, and that kind of frustrated me because um, the the year before, and and being ten, and as you know me, Martin, I'm still <laughs> unreasonable about stuff. I, I that's why that first year I didn't take to that new kit that I now think is one of the greatest mm. kits we've ever had in our life. But back then, I just identified it with this madness that seemed to engulf the club. The second leg of the quarterfinal that the Rangers were were um, dismissed in, even though they won two one, was 16th of March on the 17th of March. There's a quote from Graham Sunnis um, in The Observer um, where he says, this is the biggest setback in my time at Rangers. Um, he wasn't talking about the quarterfinal defeat. He was talking about UEFA's new rule or new proposed rule um, to limit um, team selection to four foreign players um, as of the next season, which would scupper quite a lot of Sunnis's, um plans for the future, but also the the players he brought in. There's so many English players that would um, potentially be caught in this this particular ruling. In May, uh, at the old course in St Andrews, this was ratified but changed. Um, that there would be a grace period of three seasons. So any basically any foreign players that you you, you had um, on the books for the next three seasons um, assimilated would be, would be assimilated. Yeah, um, if you bought new ones, then then fine. But um, you know Terry Butcher and and Chris Woods, um, for example, would be would be fine for three years, but it was uh, a huge moment in European football. We will talk about it in another show, but it, it happened in March 1988, and nothing outside of Rangers, outside of Rangers agency, shaped this period more than that particular mm-hmm. decision, because ultimately. The transformation, the modernization, the the horizons that were. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Being broadened had to be narrowed. We had to be more Scottish, by definition, of an illegal rule. And the Rangers' revolution turned, um, and possibly turned backwards, more inwards, um, and became more obsessed with domestic dominance rather than any continental carry-on. 
The weekend that followed Stoyer Boys um, was an Old Firm game, the final, thankfully, final Old oh. Firm game of the season. Celtic uh, came to Ibrox on the Sunday, live on STV. Uh, kind of build as something of a title decider. Um, Celtic were what, four points ahead with a game in hand anyway. Um, four hours of coverage to this game. Helicopter shots. Uh, including, do you remember the, 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 the priest? priest? Yes, indeed. Yes. The legendary, it was a priest who supported Rangers. Mm. And it, he must have lived <laughs> on some island because I remember he him did. being mm. on a boat. Mm. Ah, right. Because he, he was, he was um, showing with Rangers scarf on, on a boat you know, riding in. And my grandfather was from a certain generation of men, Mark. <clears throat> and he didn't say a word, but <laughs> they say a, they say a look can convey mm. a thousand words. It, it most certainly did that day. Four hours of coverage. I mean, Four it was, hours, yeah. I mean, uh, heli- it was like an FA Cup final day. I mean, heli- like, yeah. It, yeah. Helicopter shots of the Rangers bus leaving Turnbury, Celtic bus leaving the Erskine Hotel. Slightly different quality of... Um, uh, surroundings mm-hmm. uh, with all due respect um, you know Celtic had effectively sealed the championship Rangers could intensify the pressure eight games remaining uh, cutting that down uh, it was a tense uh, but kind of clean old firm game frenetic pace as you would imagine but few clear cut chances uh, Ian Ferguson with the, the best um, chance for Rangers his old firm debut but he, he, he missed um, during the, the interval Sandy Clark and Willie Miller were the the, the studio guests and they did notice this lack of aerial dominance that the Rangers had shown when defending cross balls and in the second half this frailty was badly exposed. Paul McStay cross from the right was so badly dealt with. I mean, Graham Roberts had two failed attempts to clear it um, that, that McStay could make the cross and still have time to get himself to the edge of the box to volley home and, and put Celtic in front. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But seven minutes later... Rangers did similar. Jan Bartram, um, one of those new signings, um, quite a similar goal. Edge of the box, Celtic couldn't clear. A uh, lovely volley into the, the, the corner of Bonner's net. But Rangers were tiring. Celtic squeezed in a crucial winner. Just, just over 10 minutes to go. Not the last time or the first time that season that Celtic was scored late on to win a game. Um, and yet again, it's, it's that calamitous defensive disorganisation. Anton Rogan, who would have his moments of more fun as the years would go on, presented with a free header from a Tommy Burns corner, which was going wide of the target until it was deflected off the chest of an unmarked <laughs> Andy Walker. And that's close a hit him. Yeah. That's a I mean, he doesn't know anything about no, it. You know, as a striker, if it had been McCoy, I'd be given it. Well, you've got to be there, uh, you know, to get lucky, I suppose. But it just felt grimly inevitable um, that day. That this game, I just remember, is grim because it was overcast. The weather was was bad. It was a turgid game of football, as you mentioned, Martin. Um, which suited Celtic. They didn't need it to be anything else. And um, Rangers, everything seemed a chore. You know, everything that we did this season seemed a bloody chore, with the exception of that night again, Kiev, and, and that even that cup fight. You know, we're, we, you know, we're basically, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're having to climb and, and scrape our way all the way to it. Um, would Celtic take the lead? It's a bad defence. What I will say about the aerial thing is that I will at least give credit that Rangers noticed this as well, because see, the following season, Rangers dominated every team in the mm. air. The following season, we had Butcher, we had Goff, we had Drinkle, um, Rangers, you know, John Brown. Rangers won 90% of every aerial duel and, and teams were terrified against us, but we're all over the shop. Watching these back now, 
you know, even just brief highlights or whatever. But it, it's flooding a lot of memories that Robert's going wasn't maybe just quite the big. No. It was all due to a fallout Definitely that we maybe, no, uh, no, yeah, no. That, that we maybe anticipated. You know, um, his his form this season is is. Just, I'll be honest, I always thought of Graham Roberts as a, as a midfielder. When he was in England, he played in central midfield, you know, as, as a as a holder. He'll go to Chelsea and he'll play that role. I, I didn't really like him as a centre. He, he wasn't the quickest either, David, wasn't he? No, no. He, he, was better, he was better, Alan, sitting in front of a back four. Aye, and doing that. Doing your yeah. tackles and giving it to a player. It's Spursy's job was to do that for Glenn Hoddle because yeah. Glenn Hoddle's not going to put a tackle in ever. It's so funny, David, you, you mentioned that. Yeah, you, you mentioned the aerial yeah. thing, right? Um, right? Graham Roberts is not tall. Richard no, no. Goff is not that tall. No, Terry Butcher no, is six foot four. He is an absolute no, no. colossus, and those two is a combination. Mm. They are they are an utter liability. I'm conscious of time, Alan. I presume you were there. Soon as if you remember on the video, 86, 87 video, I had that flippant comment. So like, you know, Celtic games are important, but I don't mind losing four times to Celtic as long as we win the title. One point out of eight. Um, and that point was, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, uh, famous, uh, but you know, a, bit of a dramatic game in its own way. But, you know, we had to claw back and, and just about got that. Um, this was an appalling old firm record. Um, uh, your your memories of Ibrox at full time that day uh, Sorry Martin, it would be different if there were a handful of uh, teams that potentially were going to win it but the thing is, you had to because Celtic, ultimately was between us and Celtic really Yeah, the, 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 and, the and league arithmetic just does not allow for four no. defeats against Celtic and, and still winning the title, but can you remember can you remember much about Ibrox after that, because that is a uh, after the, the glory of the season before and, and all of that and, and taking that title oh. back, um, that that's that must have been pretty great. It, it was it was absolutely horrible, and I, I do remember the game. I know we're conscious at time as well, but I remember the you know the Scott Nisbet one you never mentioned, but there was the the ball. I think it, Woods was kind of asking him to leave it. Never heard. Mm. He kind of puts his head up, and it, it was that kind of shambles of the Bartram scoring. You know the usual. You know, his celebration, but as you say, losing it. But I think because some of the guys I had then, I think then I had moved in around about that week to a, a department where there was, I think it was an administration, when there was a lot of Celtic fans in there. And I think they were really beginning to believe, oh, it's our centenary year and so on. So the fact that we had been beaten at that one, you just wanted to get to the end of the season. I know it sounds very defeatist, but after that, the way things were well, going over. and all the turmoil... Oh, see, season's done. Yeah. There's, there's nothing left to play for. As soon as Norsmith attended the post-match press conference, this was becoming something of a trend, by the way. Um, That's right. That's uh, right. And now that the season was effectively over, the, the, the internal Ibrox pressure cooker was about to burst once more as the last seven weeks of the season descended into even deeper levels of chaos. Jan Bartram. Uh, first impressions, mm. quite a mild-mannered pro, an eye for goal as we saw, maybe not cut out for the physical nature of the Scottish game, but no one would have imagined or could have imagined the repercussions of his trip to Italy uh, in the midweek following that off game. It's an Olympic warm-up game um, for, for Denmark. And he talked in an open press conference about his experience at Rangers so far, and his story was run by the, the, the Danish Daily um, uh, newspaper under the headline, My Boss is a Hooligan. This wasn't 80s tabloid clickbait or an 80s version of that. Um, 
his account was maybe naive, certainly ill-advised. I think he said he struggled to sleep later that night, but it was open, both in opinion and in fact. It wasn't a mistranslation. Uh, I didn't go to Scotland to risk breaking other people's legs. I'm very much against that style. As soon as wants us to be hard when we're in trouble, he is a bastard. I will not follow orders and deliberately kick people. He should have been shown the red card against Stoyer. He likes to get the ball and slaughter other players, and I don't think I can learn this type of play. I like to see beautiful things in the game, so I'm prepared to be fired. I'm glad to be back amongst my Danish countrymen so I can play real football again. Um, as soon as behaves like a madman, when we lose, he's threatened to hit a journalist so hard that he wouldn't get up again. Um, <laughs> now he denied it all. Uh, despite three separate Danish sources, not a country <laughs> known for its sensationalist media, um, confirming it all to be true. And then he and Sunis had to go on television to provide this kind of united, well-rehearsed front. Uh, I'm not sure anyone uh, would particularly buy that. Um, but again, Alan, I each wrote, passing yeah, month wrote, of this season, oh, it was, we're just... It's crazy, it's, it's just, as you say, it was... Yeah. And the, the irony as well is they go on TV... Don't need to talk about it. Yeah. Because I'm not talking as well about soon as you know, kicking TV screens yeah. and uh, uh, but it, it just it's like what next? Do, do you know what I mean? All of yeah. this season, we'll obviously get onto the, the court stuff as well. But it's just like fucking what next? Yeah, there's you know I mean? a case of what next. Yeah, it's the shit that comes at you when you're having a season yeah, like absolutely. that. What we'll say is he, he wasn't the the only player in that era that thought that whatever he said back home doesn't make it back to. Yeah, oh, I don't know. He, as I said, he couldn't sleep that night, so I'm pretty sure once he, he had a, a few hours to he think about it, maybe that's. It. I mean, yeah. it was it, look. If he didn't like the style of play, that is absolutely fine. Um, ask for a move. Don't you know? Give it that ball because I mean, it's not like it's it, and it's not like back then you were stuck at a club. Jesus, you might even really like it. And soon as we decided didn't fancy and let you go. Um, I was a big Stuart Monroe fan. And I didn't see what this guy had that Stuart Monroe didn't, other than being from Denmark. Exactly. Um, yeah. To be honest. Um, and I think Sunis was guilty of this a few times of buying guys. He just, for some reason, didn't matter what Monroe did. He was never going to be his type of player. Um, or rather, he was never going to be his player. And I think that was the problem. I think that's what McCoy suffered from as well. That, mm -hmm. You know, you're not mine. Um, and that, that caused a problem. I don't think there's any doubt, incidentally, that Sunis this season is all over the place, mm. you know, emotionally. Um, he's finding it difficult. We, we also, he's finding it difficult, I think, balancing being a player and a manager. And also, there's a rage at the dying of the light because this storied, incredible football career is coming to an end. And you've sort of acknowledged that with becoming a manager, but it must be difficult for an elite athlete to realise that his body's not doing what he's telling it to do anymore. Yeah, yeah. And mm. especially at a time when his team aren't doing it and, and he's got to be going about and, and screaming about and, and again, it was that mentality of that, that era. Although it, it is interesting because, you know, the managers he played under at Liverpool, Joe Fagan, uh, Bob Paisley, they were not screamers. No. They were not ranters and ravers. Um, there's a great story about Liverpool when they get knocked out the FA Cup by Brighton. They stop on the way home at a chippy and as they all walk back on, Bob Paisley says, right lads, we're not going to play like that again, are we? And they're like, no boss, and they go on and win the league. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it, this is a man who is, you know, a tempest at the best of times and he's having difficulty. Uh, we, we, we've heard from managers who were great players who they go in and, and they say that it, it affects them even more 
Mm-hmm. And even if they were huge competitors, it affects them even more as a manager because you know they get the solo responsibility rather than collective. And he's he's all over the shop. But you know, if Jan Bartram was that unhappy, keep your mouth shut and go and speak to your agent. There's all there's also due diligence as well. When Rangers were looking who to sign as well. You know, is the guy going to be up for the physical type? Obviously, they haven't done that one. And I think the other one too was, as you said, with with Graham Souness and that ego again. He's went through his life being this guy that everybody's going to look at him. I'm going to have him. And went, come on then. And he's handled everything. You know, yeah. and he's battered away, and he's he's done it as a top class player. He's come up to Scotland as well, and they're going, yeah, you're. Do you think so? And we've yeah, won we'll the league. It. And as you say, suddenly it looks as if, oh shit, things aren't going. And his natural way is, it's not to go away and hide, isn't it? It's no, just... it's to be out there and up front. And yeah. Another, uh, to Talon's point about due diligence, um, Denmark were incredibly trendy at this time. Yeah, after 8486. Um, after 8486, right. But Manchester United had come across the exact same problem. Mm. They signed a guy called Johnny Beck, who was a very talented player, actually, a Danish international for many years and uh, would go on to have a really good career in Serie A. And he said about playing in England, he goes, yeah, I was terrified. He said, because basically it was a fight. And you'd go out and there'd be guys elbowing you and you'd say to the referee, you saw that, and he'd be like, ah, play on, it's a man's game. You know, the referee's telling him <laughs> that. Uh, and I think Rangers, that was exactly the same. And I think there needs to be a two-way thing. Mm. I think there needs to be a, you know, do you think you can play in this crazy league um, or this crazy country, uh, taking the UK as a whole? Uh, but it, it was ridiculous. And look, Sunis' face in that, <laughs> in that interview... He might as well have had a T-shirt saying, "As soon as this is over, I would like to rip his eyes <laughs> out." On ages, you're simmering rage. On the park, uh, Rangers were fortunate to beat Dundee three to at Dens Park, a late Durant penalty. But we're beaten 2-1 at home by Hearts. Um, they were also chasing second place, despite being one up through Bartram, funnily enough. Um, and then as the the Glasgow Garden Festival bloomed into life on Easter weekend, there was the next embarrassment of losing 3-2 away to already relegated Morton. Even with an Ian Ferguson scissor kick, um, promise of things to come perhaps, um, it was just a performance typical of a tired season, Roberts going off injured, even Chris Woods looking suspect for two of those Morton goals, uh, Sunis was traditionally cut, um, but fair uh, about the situation, he said last year I spent a lot of money on the defence and they won as the Premier League Championship, this year they have lost as the title. He didn't place the entire blame on the loss of Butcher. Uh, We have internationalists at the back and shouldn't have to rely on one man. Uh, The attitude will need to change and some of the players will need to remember that they're playing for Rangers. 12th of April um, was seen outside of the football stadium and indeed Glasgow Sheriff Court, the trial of the old firm four began. A lot of the time spent on the behaviour of the crowd rather than the kind of well, handbags incident that we, we discussed the last time the three of us were round these microphones. Um, you see them at football grounds up and down the country. It looked to be heading to a common sense outcome. Frank McAvenny, who started the whole thing, don't forget, uh, was found not guilty. Graham Roberts was not proven. Uh, and, and Terry Butcher was feeling quite confident and relieved when it was his turn to take to the stand and listen to Sheriff Archibald Mackay um, guilty. I couldn't believe what I'd heard. I didn't hear how much I was fined. I was so stunned. Um, it was Butcher's decision to get involved, not to protect Woods, 
but to deliver a deliberate violent push that could reasonably have been expected to upset other Celtic players and their supporters that led to that judgment. Disregarding completely the reality of the football field and you know goalkeeping self-preservation, Chris Woods was also found guilty of jabbing McAvenny sharply on the chin with his forearm. It was an assault which constituted a breach of the peace. Um you know, the consequences, potential consequences of, of pitch invasions, riots were, were at the forefront of the judgment, but both the players of the club felt it was ridiculously harsh when, you know, far worse physical acts have been seen in, in old firm games. Um, the next question, I guess, was um, what happens next? You know, because Graham Sinus was genuinely flap about his English players saying, forget this, we're, we're going home, enough's enough. Um, you know, David Holmes had also said to, to, to the three of them, if you, you know, if you decided that you've, you've had your fill, we won't stand in your way, we, we, we get it. Uh, but Butcher said immediately, no, I won't be forced away, it's a sick joke. Chris Woods did have a think about the impact on his England career, but decided to stay, and, and, and Robert said he wouldn't be going anywhere. Um, but in a somewhat fitting coda to this tempestuous season, it wouldn't be a choice that would be in his control. Uh, shall we go then, gentlemen, to the final Ibrox match of the season against Aberdeen. Um, Graham Sinus's programme notes, frankly, I hope I never have to go through another season like it. Um, Durant had been dropped for the final few games, again in a nightclub scuffle, uh, which Sinus was not happy with. 1-0 defeat, typically. Uh, Brian Irving goal, another defensive failure to deal with a long ball. Just something that Rangers have been guilty of all season. Um, and what people don't really realise, it was Walter Smith that started the dressing room inquiry. He did go at Roberts for his positioning um, and Roberts refused to accept any of the blame when it was clear to everyone in the dressing room that he'd been fault, Smith said. Um, it wasn't a goal of it when you watch it back. There's not an obvious culprit, uh, more just a kind of general organisational deficiency, but Roberts, centre-half and captain, would have been expected to, to shoulder that responsibility. Um and just as he was disputing his culpability, in came Sunis and immediately backed his assistant. Um, some strong words. And Roberts's line was, well, if that's the way you feel about it, you better sell me. Um, a direct challenge to Sunis's authority as manager. And there was no way he was going to back down. Told him to consider it done. Now, Sunis has spoken about this before. He said, look, there was another way to handle it. Take him out of the dressing room quietly. Give him the opportunity to apologise in front of the squad. And, you know... Fine, but that would have needed a different Sunus, a more mature Sunus, one that wasn't yeah. still kicking every ball. Um, and that was that. I mean, Robert's cult hero. I think what this, these four shows uh, in this season have done is, is, is exactly what you said, David. They've helped understand that this was almost an inevitable path to this moment. Because Roberts just wasn't working on the pitch. Him and Goff didn't go on. I think we spoke about it in other shows. Goff was, I think, a bit miffed that he'd come as Spurs captain and soon as when Butcher was injured didn't make him captain um, because he was frightened he would lose Roberts if he didn't. So they just didn't get on. Um, mm. But there was also a concern about Roberts getting maybe a bit too big for his boots. He was a huge cult hero with the support. The support loved him. We'll get to the Falkirk game yeah. in a minute, the, the final game of the season at Brockville. Um, but he was massive. Now, soon as he's got, probably got an issue with this and we'll get to McCoy's in that in a, in a, a few weeks um, that players being bigger than Graham Sunnis is a problem but he was becoming a bit too big in the dressing room his attitude towards younger players was being reported back to Sunnis as being really not on and just wasn't good for harmony uh, and eventually of course he would go that was the, 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 his last ever game for Rangers and as we will see 
the harmony within that dressing room, with the odd moment, was far better for it. Uh, but this was seismic, David. Good. And uh, hands up as being absolutely terrified. First of all, by what you said about the English players maybe want to go because it was a huge focus in the media after that shambles of a decision. And then this happens. And I, I just couldn't believe that it would happen, um, that he would go. I thought, well, he would just say, sorry, you know, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everything will be all right. But it, it was very difficult because Soonest was everybody's hero, uh, but so was Graham Roberts. And um, I didn't know at the time about the rest of it. And I I can't help but feel, Martin, had he been sensational that season, that Soonest wouldn't have had, even that version of Soonest, that he wouldn't have handled it differently. I just I, I can't believe that to be the case. But Goff was who soon as planned to and would turn out to be the guy who the next ten years were about. He'd, he'd wanted them from the start, he'd chased them, he'd got them. Um that's a there's only gonna be one winner type situation. And again, you know, I've I've you know, worked with, with Graham Roberts a few times when I was at the RSD. He's he's a great guy. He is, he's but he he's he's very brash um, confident mm-hmm. you know very you know centre of attention like Rangers needed, party kind of thing Rangers needed when he came in when he came in absolutely I, but I can see why maybe for other people that might great a little especially when egos are involved especially when you know Roberts could legitimately think here you know I'm the man here because the fans were telling him he was the man there especially with Butcher out the fans thought he was the man so I can you know understand it but again I, I, you know I think that if things were going well you couldn't have a better guy about the place because he is you know just he's, he's he's a very intelligent guy Graham Roberts very funny um, but he is very much um, he, he, you know he'll say himself that he's a guy that that could start a fight in an empty room if he's not happy about something. Um, they, he did a poor season. They all had, but um, he, he did a poor season. And if you've just spent a million, what was it, a million quid, one and a half for for Richard Goff? 1.2, yeah. Yeah, 1.2, right? When you've spent that, he's going to stay. He's going to be the one that you work on. Um, it's not going to be him that, that leaves. But how did we feel about it gutted i remember fraught conversations at school um i remember asking grown-ups you know nothing's true until a grown-up they can they can just no no it's not happening and you take that to the bank but there was a sense of things fall apart um and this season had been it felt like 10 months of things falling apart and this just seemed to cap it all off um i would have been interested had this fallout not happened and then the way Roberts handles it ensures when he plays up to the crowd you're, you're about to talk about that that ensures that he's gone soon it's not going to put up for it uh, put up with it I, I think had Chelsea wandered in with a half a million bid in the summer anyway I think he might have gone for it you know butcher on the way back yeah. well, he, he's not going to play and this was not an era of squads Right, you, you didn't keep, you didn't have three brilliant centre backs. Mm. That just wasn't the done thing at all. Um, 
that it, it just wasn't considered. Butcher's coming back. He's a captain. He's a leader. He's going to play. Goff's cost over a million. He's going to play. Where does Roberts fit in? And, and then there is... Yeah, he couldn't, sorry, know, the, the and he, he couldn't play in that front one, David. You know, you talked about the kind of sitting in front because you've got the likes of Derek Ferguson's and so on, so you've got others yeah. that... More capable, just, yeah. Well, Ray, Ray Wilkins is there now. Ray, Ray's so, there. I, I, the, 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 the issue maybe is, Goff was not bought as a centre-half. Goff's a right-back. Yeah. And you already have Roberts and uh, Butcher, or Roberts can play right-back. I mean, so it's not a, a case of maybe just having three centre-halves mm-hmm. there, and they, they, they can't play anywhere else. I think you're right, David. In 1988, three centre-halves of that quality and with those transfer fees is, is very unlikely. Um, but there there was some flexibility. They just couldn't play together themselves. Oh, and it, you, you make the, 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 yeah, the point about chemistry, and we, we we ignore it so often as football fans, but maybe it's a football manager thing and or fantasy football or whatever. We, Robertson Goff are good, very good, decorated footballers, but they just couldn't make it work, couldn't speak mm. to each other. And, and again, I think both wanted to be the boss. And well, that that can't that can't work. And it can't it, work in a centre half partnership. No, it can't. Somebody needs to be the one, and yeah. somebody needs to be the sweeper. I, I think as well that I think as well that you know in a situation like that, that Sunis is a big one on responsibility in terms of as players. We hear it now in his punditry every week um, about responsibility. I think your captain, especially in that era trying to get himself away from blame on something is crossing a line to, to that era soonest. I really do. I think that there's a code he has that that breaches. And I think the fact that it came from someone like Roberts, who he respected as a as a fellow hard, you know, yeah. honest top pro, I think that that, the fact that not only are you not accepting the responsibility that you're actually trying to to, to, to kind of shift it onto other people. I just think that though these are fraught tempers with huge personalities, uh, and it and it can't stay. I, I I can also think that he's maybe now looking at his dressing room, Martin, and he goes, I've got Butcher, he's good pro, I've got Goff, he's a good pro, I've got Ray Wilkins. I've got my leaders. I don't need you anymore. And uh, and he was getting think, complaints for the young ones as well, David. So that's probably well, fed into that, him as well. That yeah. ties in. It's a case of, look, I've got to change something because there's no cohesion here at all. Yeah. There's mm. none. There really isn't in this Rangers team. When we're getting wins, it's by uh, you know individual brilliance. Yeah. Really, we've got to we've got to do something to try and make this group of individuals into into a team. And if you feel anybody in that squad is preventing you from doing that, then you're going to make the decision. For me, this is clearly, if it hadn't happened this game, Martin, it would have happened over the summer. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Goff certainly talks about being quite happy about it and the fact that the the, the, the dressing room harmony changes instantly. And we'll we'll, we'll come to that, obviously, in, in, in later weeks. Butcher, bless him, he was talking about getting back for you know, the European Cup semi-final. In fact, he'd, he'd initially talked about being back for the second leg uh, of the quarter, which didn't happen. He he was nearly playing at the end and he was kind of nearly brought back. There was a lot of chat that he'd come back set, in. Set back. But yeah. it was it was felt that the, the bone was still too weak and certainly he could forget England um, in West Germany. I think it's fair to say they missed him badly, but it meant that he would be back um, 
properly uh, for for the next season. Alan, final game of the season, a five 0 win at, at, against Falkirk at Brockville. I don't know if you were there that day. Graham Roberts was there that day as a paying punter. Um, lots of Robo Must Day chants. There was a, a Robo Must Day banner. Both Sunus Smith and Holmes were given a very hard time in the the stands that day. The, um, yeah. Can you remember that? Were you there? Yeah, I, I was there. Yeah, I remember it. I must admit, when I heard that, obviously the chants and as you say the banner too, it was like a. Obviously, I'm old school, Martin, as you guys keep telling me. But but as much as I really liked, you know, Robertson, what he had done when he came, do it was public. like, a, 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 you don't do that. You don't go against the club. You don't go against the manager. You don't do those things in public. So I just had a feeling that there was either going to have to be one hang of a, an apology from him or he, he was toast, really. Do you know, uh, I, I didn't, because I don't think there was any way that, you know, unless something happened behind the scenes, but I don't think there was any way that realistically we could then have kept them. I didn't know about the unsettling, you know, things behind the scenes and so on. But you just don't, you don't do that. You know, go against the club or go against the Rangers manager and you know the the assistant and so on. So obviously we played well, you win, but it's like whoop you do. Everything's gone. But then I think it was five nil or something. You know, pretty easy stuff. But the atmosphere at that one, yeah, it was pretty strange. Uh, I think that's we know a, what, sorry, David. That's that's a direct challenge because he, he's clearly told not to. Now, and we cannot talk about this um, bomb squad thing of you become a known person. It was prevalent in football back then. I mean, it still happens now, but within the bounds of employment law. Um, but back then, if a manager didn't take to you, I mean, they would make your life yeah, yeah. a living hell um, because they wanted yeah, yeah. you to move. So they would he'd be playing in the reserves. They would be training with the kids. Yeah, you'd be banned. You'd be training with the kids. You'd be, you know, they would they would humiliate you. They would. Did uh, they put them up to the Highlands or something? They did. Yeah, they they did humiliate them. Yeah, sent them up to the Highlands where you scored. The whole idea is to. But this is. As, as bad as it is, folks, I'm glad we've moved on. It's standard practice then. It's standard Absolutely. operating procedure. Yeah. He'll yep. have seen it done at other clubs and to other players. But he has been told, you're not coming to fault, you've not to be with the first team. And he turns up to sit with the supporters. That's clearly, look, oh, they all love me. It's to get some affirmation for our fans. And it's to say as soon as... You better think about what you're about to do because look at this. Look, they all love, they all think I'm amazing. Mm. That to me, if there was any way back, it was done then. And I would and I would come down on Sunis' side there a hundred percent. I don't think it's an overreaction because it's an absolutely shocking and very egotistical thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm sure Robert's kind of regrets it now, but what you're doing there is you're turning up and you're saying to Sunis and to the world, they love me. Are you sure you want to do this? I'm super popular with this mob. And Sunis then has to, he's got no, because you can't allow a player because what you're then saying is you're allowing a player to, to win an argument with you by saying, I'll go to the fans. I'll go over your head. And then Sunis, right from the start, had made it clear that if the fans thought one thing and he thought another, he would go with what he thought. Yeah. So he's been through a few battles already with it. You know, why do we keep passing the ball back? We'll get it in the effing box. Yeah, I, I, that to me is pretty unforgivable, what Roberts did. And you're right, he was fined and he was uh, sent up to the Highlands because the, the, thing, the next yeah. day. The thing was, he goes to Chelsea, but he doesn't go to Chelsea in June. It's not a quick, you know, 
Nope, it's deal. It, 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 no, this no. goes right to the kind of wire. There is no wire as such because there's no you know transfer window, but it's it's well into the summer before this is done. So he's, he doesn't he doesn't he travel with Rangers. He, well, he did, but um, he was it, it was made very obvious that wasn't going to happen. Um, one more question is for Alan because you you and I have discussed this, David, and I, I appreciate that um, slightly older perspective on this question. I don't want to get into the start of 88-89 because we'll do that next next week but, but you guys won't be um, on that show it's a question that fascinates me with, with Rangers fans and I ask anyone of that vintage Alan how worried were you at the end of that season Celtic going and you know they, they won the double and the last minute again um, it's been a pretty chaotic pretty disastrous season uh, compared to the last one is there a fear that this soonest guy is a flash in the pan. Comes in, does the biz first year, the Messiah, but now he can hardly buy a win. Um, everything he touches just seems to be a, a, a total mess. Um, he seems completely out of control. You've got a cult hero um, handing in a transfer request uh, early in the season. You've now got one, you know, effectively binned. Um, things seem, at this moment in time, that we're, we're stopping at, to be in a downward spiral. Can you remember the the, 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 the kind of level of, yeah. of morale within the Bradley household in, in um, the summer uh, of 88? Well, you're, you're talking about the, I don't know, the probably head of the, uh, what can I say, the glass half-empty loyal. So you guys know what I'm like anyway. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but uh, really... Reverend I am, I am Alan. <laughs> right, I actually make Jolly sound a wee bit happier. But anyway, uh, no, but with this one... To, when you think of where we came from, the you know, I don't know the eight or the nine years where we were also runs, we weren't even getting you know in the kind of top couple. Mm. So we had obviously won it. We just had this absolute horror of a shit show. Celtic obviously had their the momentum and they ended up doing this double. But the the actual squad with Ian Ferguson coming in, who was one of my favourites, the likes of Mark Walters, Wilkins, and so on, a big butcher was going to be coming back. I wasn't actually that, and I thought we would potentially strengthen a wee bit in the summer. So although I was disappointed, but I just wanted to get on to, you know, to the following season. Uh, in terms of Graham Sunnis, I don't know whether I'd focused. This has actually been really good for me, kind of looking at his behaviours and how he acted and so on. But it was more really around the, you know, the kind of side. And I was really prepared to give it another go. I think if we hadn't have been successful kind of following that, you know, then I think there'd be panic stations. But at this point in time, as I say, if you think about it, even three or four years prior to that, we weren't even looking at, you know, potentially going to win the league, obviously throwing at the end. We'd won a league. We, again, we had done no bad in terms of Europe again, the European Cup, and with the kind of butcher, McCoy stuff and so on, we could have. So, no, I wasn't, there certainly wasn't panic. And it was just a case of, for God's sake, let's just get the season, you know, let's get to the next one and start and move on. Well, Robert's little uh, demonstration at Brockville didn't matter. It was never going to matter. Walter Smith was in full support of uh, the Graham Sinus' decision. Uh, he wrote, managers cannot afford to walk away from difficult or unpopular judgments. Often things happen away from the public gaze which determine the direction you take. But if you bottle a tough disciplinary matter, then you can lose all the players, not just the one who brought the trouble to a head. Roberts would eventually leave to Chelsea and at a profit, of course, for £475,000. 
Gentlemen, we will leave it there. We have got through a difficult season. It might be December until we're in a similar kind of situation. But thank you, Alan. Uh, thank you. I sort of enjoyed that, Martin. I think uh, uh, certainly enjoyed the first part of the season with some of the games we had. But uh, again, no, it's really good going through it and trying to analyse you know, what actually happened and trying to put things into perspective. So uh, thanks, mate. Thank you for your help in doing that. David, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was, uh, you know, some tough memories. Uh, tough, tough season. As I say, it, it stands out in that era as just mm. a slog, just a complete slog. Um, you know, Sunnis wasn't the only one who at the end of it hoped he'd never go through a season like that again. <laughs> the Roberts debacle was probably a pertinent way in which to bring this very difficult season to a close. The title had been handed over. Rangers could only finish third behind Hearts and Celtic. And another European opportunity passed up a little too easily in a year that seriously lacked order and professionalism. Celtic would produce yet another later escape, as I said, to come back from behind to win the Scottish Cup against Dundee United and in doing so secure a double in their centenary year. It was a tough summer for everyone who had Rangers at heart. But the mistakes of inactivity were learned, and instead the summer of 88 proved to be the start of something very special, a period of real dominance unparalleled in the history of the club. The physical point had now been proven. By now Rangers were really only fighting themselves. It was now time to focus on the football and for soonest to build a classier side that couldn't be touched by any other team in the land. The signings of Wilkins and Walters were the first creative players that he'd brought through the door, and there would be more. Yeah, the signing of John Brown would be paralleled in future by Spackman and Terry Hurlock. Soonest was never going to give up that particular principle entirely, but they would be surrounded by more and more players of genuine inventive talent. And Soonest himself, for so many years, the perfect blend of steel and silk would now have to let go. Although a couple of years older, Kenny DeGleish could only do both jobs to full capacity for one season before happily becoming a bit part cameo at Anfield. Soonest played 30 games in the 87-88. He'd play 11 more for Rangers in the next two seasons before hanging up the boots for good. A club of this size, a player-manager can only ever be a short-term option and more detachment would ultimately lead to better control. The complacency that he'd shown in that 86-87 video had now been well and truly banished. Although technically true, Rangers fans would always favour a title without an old-firm victory, over four great games and no trophy at all, it completely ignored the reality of league arithmetic. Beating Celtic and beating them often was going to be key to winning the flag. And ultimately that final argument with Roberts after a season full of recrimination perhaps drew a line in the sand. Is this how it's going to be? An emotional Graham Soonest challenged these players that afternoon after the Aberdeen defeat. We win one, they win one, we win one, they win one, because I'm not fucking interested in that. As it would turn out, neither were they. Until next time, bye for now. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.